Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, John Scardina. It is National Preparedness Month, the one time of the year where we talk about preparedness. Uh, we usually talk about readiness. I'm a big fan of readiness over preparedness. However, it is National Preparedness Month, and there's lots of good things to prepare for, hence the title of this episode, Preparing for the Future. So I just want to jump in right into it real fast. We're going to be talking about in this episode how you as an emergency manager can prepare for the future in terms of the good, how to create good uh, things for you in your career, how you can help out your communities, wherever they may be at, whether it's on the national level, you're working at FEMA or you're working for another federal agency, all the way through working in the private sector or university, how can you be successful in your job? Now, every week I get the opportunity to interview experts from all across the industry. You guys see this, you hear it. We get lots of really great feedback from you. And so we're appreciative of that. But as we talk to the Ken Grahams of the world and we talk to, you know, the uh, the peak gainers of the world and we talk to the Colonel McKinney's of the world, these really, really great leaders who inspire us and help us do better in our own field, in our own right. You know, Chief Walt Lewis or Steve Johnson coming on here, any of those people, you know, we've we've really had this great opportunity now, I've even taken it, taken it a step further. We've had Ashley Loria Golden on here, who's my chief operating officer a few times. But I created a blog post uh, forever ago on the Disaster Tough podcast on LinkedIn. So make sure you check that out. If you're looking for steps and how to actually boost your career, I would definitely make sure to check that out. It's called the Ashley Loria business model or the Ashley business model. So you can check out how you can learn in your career and and make sure you're taking those steps to uh, push yourself to the next level. But in talking about preparing for the good, I want to pull back here for a second and uh, just compliment the field for a second. Our field is rapidly changing. It's diversifying. It's it's getting all this new information. It's uh, There's a lot of interest be- be- behind using data and analytics, which I'm really excited about all these things to boost the, the field. We've had these really great articles come out recently talking about who are we and making our stamp uh, on the world, especially uh, dealing with COVID for the last couple of years. And as we're dealing with big storms coming up or big events that we know that's going to impact our atmosphere, impact our environments, you know, people are starting to take notice. So really great stuff here. I wrote down, I'm looking at my notes here in full disclosure, some things that uh, I that will help you in your career, and I'm going to to give a uh, little secret here. A little bit later, I'm going to talk about how to actually be the best. The secret to becoming the absolute best in whatever you want to do, and so make sure you check that out uh, a little bit later in the podcast. But I wanted to walk through here. I, I named five things that will help you at whatever stage you're currently at. If you're getting right getting into college, getting right out of college, if you're seven years into the field, or you've been doing this for 15 years plus like I have, right? And so if you've been doing this for a while, this will definitely be um, a, a great opportunity to hone in and focus for the last half of your career, or you're looking at that sunset. How do you make sure you, uh, you know, move forward and push hard and, uh, you know, just to refocus here for a second, National Preparedness Month, preparing for your future, okay? Real quick, we're gonna pause for this week's Disaster Tough endorsements. This show is owned and operated by professional emergency managers at Doberman Emergency Management. 
We apply disaster tough logic by protecting life, property, and business continuity through planning, mitigation, and training. Check us out at DobermanEMG.com or click on the show notes. Radiocoms just got a major breakthrough with the L3 Harris XL Extreme 400P. It's the newest and toughest radio out there. Built by their space and tactical teams, the XL Extreme series can take a beating. 1700 degree blast of heat, repeated three meter drops, rain, salt water, you name it. The XL Extreme series by L3 Harris can take it. Visit L3Harris.com to schedule your demo today. Sawyer products offer the best, most technologically advanced solution for protection against the sun, bugs, water, and injuries. Everything from water filtration systems to insect repellents, time release technologies, really amazing stuff. So whether you're at home, work, or at play, make sure you check out Sawyer at Sawyer.com. Okay, let's jump back in. So uh, the very first one I wrote down was prepare for the opportunities through acquiring knowledge. I don't think we take enough credit in our field for how many certifications are there, how many opportunities there are to learn. Now, I recognize that conferences are becoming more in part popular because, it, you know, we like our social network. But don't take don't miss those opportunities to do certifications or to read, actually read. Uh, I've had uh, talk about a problem in the world. People are, are looking at media and saying, OK, like I get the the clip uh, clip notes version and that's good enough. Actually dive in. If there's things about if you read an article about a volcano or about social, um, you know, uh, distrust or even, um, you know, riots, protests, whatever they may be on that spectrum, all the way to the natural hazard stuff. Like I said, volcanoes, whatever it may be, actually dive in and, and read like there's no substitute for reading. So please read and please start start taking notes. Right. So when you go through that, you're you're proficient. We are we've all become accustomed to instant gratification but there's really no substitute to learning. So acquiring knowledge, uh, you can always learn more. I've met people who are young in their career who think they know a lot and they don't. I've met people who have been in their career for a while and they think they know a lot, but they haven't been able to learn. But one of the, the best people I know that is able to do that, in fact, I'll name two people, Zach Borst, who's been doing this almost as long as I have, if not longer. Uh, he works at Doberman now. He's our director of strategy. It's phenomenal to hear his perspectives on things because, I mean, he was just recently on the podcast, for example. He has so many different types of background and he dives in deep. He really wants to know the material well. He wants to be able to do his job well. And he's, uh, he's all, always seeking knowledge. This is a younger guy, mid-career mid, uh, kind of guy. And, uh, you know, he's, he's able to be leagues above his peers if not people who uh, have a lot more uh quote-unquote experience who to be honest maybe not have done the job as much as he has because he's been able to seek out knowledge the other person is roddy melsick who uh, retired from fema a couple years ago and yet is still one of the sharpest people i know in terms of emergency planning operations understanding the field because he's always constantly learning and it was, uh, it was a great opportunity to learn from him directly. When I joined FEMA, I was, I think I was still in my 20s. He was in uh, his like late 60s, turning 70. And he was still outpacing everybody on his ability to learn and his thirst for knowledge. And so it just showed 
you know, the, the, the path that I wanted to take always seeking out knowledge, which is part of the reason why we do the podcast the way we do. Uh, the next one is identify and focus on your talents. So here's a real secret here. Um, people don't really realize this all the time. You'll actually be happier at the things you're good at. Now, it, it's it's good to be challenged. It's good to take risks. And we'll talk about being a risk taker later. But if you have a talent in something, then you should explore that talent. I'll give yourself the space, the time to really dive into a talent that either has been identified for you from somebody else saying, hey, you're really good at this. Or to take the time and sit down in a quiet space by yourself and start listing out the things that you believe you're best at. Whether it's at negotiations, whether it's uh, situational awareness, whether it's uh, operational tempo or organization, whatever it may be in terms of your career, sit down and say, what are my talents? That's actually a really good exercise. Literally write the question, what are my talents? Question mark. And start uh, interviewing yourself, right? Thinking about your past experiences. Think about what makes you most happy. Think about, think about where you get the, the most compliments. Uh, interview friends and family who may be able to see you without the blinders on. And uh, give yourself some credit. And then <clears throat> explore that talent as much as you can. <clears throat> now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't explore new talents. Absolutely. There's lots of things that probably about yourself, about myself even, that, well, here's a good example. Becoming a dad. I was deathly afraid about becoming a dad. Was I prepared? I read a lot. I went to classes with my wife. I'm pretty close to my wife. Obviously, she's my best friend. And so we were, you know, quote unquote, prepared. But there's talents that I've learned being a father that... I didn't have uh, the opportunity to learn beforehand. So as you're gaining new experiences, try to remember that. What are my talents? And as you identify something new within yourself, say, oh, that, that was something that, that struck something there, something good. And I, I want to explore that and see if I can become better at that. And even if you are terrible at something, it still may be a talent that needs to be developed, right? What makes you happy? What are my talents? Well, I have an analytical mind, right? I I like uh, analysis and I like looking those things. When I started GIS, I was terrible at GIS. And I thought GIS was just mapping. It's way more than that. And so I gave myself the time, a couple years in a job, to really learn the job, to learn everything I could about GIS. I read a lot of materials. I uh, got tutored um, from an old professor of mine who knew GIS. And I did everything I could to learn GIS because I liked analytics. And so uh, recognizing that could be a talent of yours, uh, just be willing to explore. So uh, the next one here, excuse me, the next one here is uh, be a team player. There's a, gosh, this is, this is like the, the most cliche, be a team player. But I could give you countless examples of people that I've hired that have kept their job because they were a team player or that they were fired because they were not a team player. There's things in this world that uh, set you apart. And one of the things that set you apart is the ability to work well with others and the, the opportunity there to uh, jump in to help. If you can't be a team player in emergency management, you have failed on the very most 
basic level of EM, which is coordination. And if you can't be a team player, then you've probably most likely failed at the advanced part, the part that allows you to advance your career, which is persuasion, i.e. project management. And if you can get into project management and if you can coordinate well with others, you will most likely succeed in this field. Above everything else, right? If you have the knowledge, knowledge is required to do your job, absolutely. But if you can be persuasive, if you can guide and help your team and accomplish the mission, if you can work well with them, you never want somebody to say, well, I don't like them. Or you're, or even worse, you're going to say something like, oh, you may hate me, but well, let's not, let's just get away from that. Let's just say, hey, we work really well together, right? Uh, being a team player is talking about uh, uh, another t- secret is the ability to work. You know, there's um, there are times when I have kept people on my staff when there was a learning curve that had to be made, but I saw their ability to work, work well with others, work on the relationships that requires work, especially when you have different uh, personalities. Be able to work, work ethic is... Uh, is truly the separator between um, people who advance and the people who don't advance. And so uh, I would always say, uh, be a team player, work hard, show your worth, support others in their job, uh, recognizing you're part of a team. An emergency manager who is not part of a team is not really emergency manager one, because again, the coordination and project management piece but if you think you're an emergency manager or that is a team of one because your organization has only hired one emergency manager, then you are sorely missing out on all the opportunities that uh, could help you be successful. That's uh, external and internal stakeholders. That's the people you interact with every day. That's putting your plans together. That's uh, doing operational tempo. There's always a lot of people involved when it, ultimately when it comes down to it. So you need to identify who your team is. If you are a team of one at uh, at a organization, right, and you think you're siloed, ask that question: Who's my team? Is it the people you report to? Is it the stakeholders? Is it your external partners? Whoever that is, figure out who your team is and spend time with them. Help them get them to help you, and uh, you'll be uh, you'll be able to advance uh, incredibly fast. They will also open doors for you. That's the other big trick there, right? If you're able to work well with others, when they move on, they'll want to work with you. Primary example, Patrick McGinn. uh, He's been on the show a few times with the uh, the Salvation Army. We were both on the National Strike Team. We both moved on. Because of that relationship that we had, that both professional and personal relationship, you know, one of my best friends, when it came down to it, uh, they had an active shooter scare at the Salvation Army and they needed support. Well, we do active shooter training. Now, did he give me the job because I was a friend? I hope not because he's not that type of guy. He gives the job who's ever the most qualified. And I had done the knowledge. I had had the experience, unfortunately. And we had put together things in place to be able to create something truly phenomenal in terms of a training um, apparatus. And so when they had a scare and they said, hey, we need some training, he said, hey, your company does this, right? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And so we did that together. 
um, we, we were able to open that. So he opened up a door for us in terms of a training opportunity, but we also were a, uh, a great, um, option for him because we truly have something that we can be proud of because we put the work in to, to be the best. So, uh, the next one is be a risk taker. And I know when we talk about identifying your talents and it, it makes it sound like you shouldn't take risks, you should absolutely take risks. But be a be an intelligent risk taker. And what I mean by that is going through and saying, hey, there's this new job opportunity, something I haven't done before. Uh, there is uh, there is a problem set that I have identified that nobody's identified. I'm going to speak up and say, hey, this is a gap that we've we found. I've uh, shared that story a few times. I'm from Hurricane Harvey where nobody else uh, in the disaster response was aware of this one facility. And uh, uh, essentially, I was trying to get the uh, team lead to change the focus of the entire federal response to this one area because it's a problem I, I identified. And and in some ways, I was a risk taker there, right? I'm like, hey, uh, boss, we, we got to change this. And um, being able to be able to take a, a risk there, but we had done the work, again, that work part, uh, to to make sure that that assessment was uh, was an accurate assessment, and we did. We we changed the federal response. We pulled a lot of people out of an area that wasn't identified, and uh, there was no problems. Um, that being said, risk taker is uh, something that's not appreciative enough in our field. Emergency managers must be risk takers. You must be able to be willing to fail in order to succeed. And uh, you, you can look at like the cliche, like uh, what was it? Um, the Michael Jordan uh, episode or the Michael Jordan commercial where he talks about how many uh, shots he's missed and how many uh, final um, uh, the game winning shots he's missed or, uh, you know, how many games he's lost. And he said, and then he ends with, and that's why I succeed because he's relentless. And uh, that's part of being a, being a risk taker. Um to go through that emergency managers must be able to do something doing something is always better than not doing something sometimes very rarely uh that something is choosing this is very important choosing not to do something right uh that's still an action freezing is totally different but if you're if you're always willing to do something to save and sustain life which is uh, essentially the scope of what we do then you need to be able to act and uh, be able to, to, again, speak up and to do something about doing it right. And uh, people will take notice of that. Um, <clears throat> okay, so rounding this out here, uh, the, the big one, uh, the success, the secret formula for success. How do you become the absolute best in the field? Now, my perspective of being the best may be different than others. When you hear uh, being the best is like lonely at the top. Sure. There's uh, there's some merit to that because a lot of people don't do what it takes to become the best. However, I would like to change your mindset to, to looking at it as tears and uh, being the best, the absolute best doesn't mean being alone. And what I mean by that is I, I don't, I don't know of anybody who works harder than me. I work relentlessly. I mean, 
it is uh i i get this these comments like your brain doesn't shut off or you don't stop um do you have a you have an off switch and it's because i believe in the mission of what i'm doing however uh I recognize that I'm not the only one who works this hard. I don't let anyone outpace me, but I allow people to be at my face and, and to recognize that I'm not the only one there. There's seven, what, seven billion people on the planet. Clearly, there's going to be a lot of people who work as hard as me or uh, has talents that are, are just as developed. And so when I talk about becoming the best, what I'm really talking about is not being outpaced. And if you're not outpaced, then you can essentially get any job you want. And uh, to take it even a step further of how to become the best, I'm going to share with you some secret sauce of uh, what happens when somebody gets hired at Doberman. They get a welcome packet to start up that goes over a lot of logistics stuff. But there's something in there that I've never seen at any other organization while I'm sure maybe other models are out there, I just haven't seen it before. And I've done quite a bit of research on this because we've been hiring not just in Doberman for years, but, you know, across industry for, you know, over a decade. And so really ingrained on how to identify leaders and uh, people who are successful, who, who will remain successful and uh, fascinating uh, by some of the results. But that being said, uh, the Doberman scale of evaluation, how people are evaluated when they come to work at Doberman. I tell them that they're evaluated constantly. And when I mean constantly, I mean every single thing they do, I, I'm evaluating it based off of three main principles here at Doberman. And I would internalize this for yourself and even hopefully bring it to your own um, own spheres of influence. Start evaluating yourself and others on these three things. Intelligence, high personal moral code, and ambition. And let me define those each of those for you. So intelligence, I tell my staff, I'm literally taking it right from the, the welcome packet. So it's verbatim the same. Intelligence is the ability to learn, ability to retain information, your level of situational awareness. There's a phrase called kukia yomanai. And... In that Japanese phrase, again, kukio yomanai, it's like you can't read the air. That's basically what it translates to. And I want my staff to have enough intelligence that they're able to read the air, speak up when they should speak up, shut up when they should shut up, and uh, you know, participate and help when when people are are truly struggling, and to recognize when something's a, a struggle versus a challenge. All those things wrap up into intelligence. I once had a staff member who, um, sorry, this is actually a previous job. I, I once, not a Doberman, but this person, they had like, uh, for a lack of better term, uh, like Napoleon syndrome. And they, they were, they, they had a lot of talent. They were really, uh, they were just really skilled in a lot of different areas. And yet because they weren't a team player, he didn't have enough situational awareness to say, oh, I'm, I'm making my other teammates look bad. And it's not even because he was better. They were just as, as good as he was, if not better in some areas. But because he didn't know how to be a team player and because he would kind of pick on them in front of other people and because he um, you know, always felt like he had to be 
the showrunner there, he did actually hilariously. He actually didn't have enough intelligence, despite his, the fact that he had a uh, a a persona that it perceived to have high high intellect. He didn't have enough intelligence to say, "Oh, emotional intelligence here. I need to I need to learn my place a little bit." And he floundered because of it. And so when we talk about intelligence, we're talking about all these things. One of the biggest things that um, I get on people for is um, if you have the knowledge, you should have the confidence to not let not make people hold your hand. You don't want to be considered a hand holder. Like, oh, like I always have to ha- hold this guy's hand, especially if he doesn't or she doesn't know how to do something. That's your opportunity to learn. Now, I will say that um, a great manager knows the limits of her or his people. Sometimes they give you a task knowing that it will stretch you and they will push you and they know that you will it will be a challenge for you and it'll take you time to learn it. You'll have to do a lot of research to find that answer. And sometimes a manager needs to also understand what the real limits are. And so a great manager will understand, okay, this is a challenge. This is a real limit. And they, at that point, should provide the tools. This comes back to intelligence again, to provide the tools to help their staff be successful. And so ultimately, when I'm looking at staff and where they're at, there's three different tasks that I'm giving them. I'm giving them the tasks that will challenge them. I'm giving a task that I know is at their limit or beyond their limit. And so I'm giving them the tools to be able to be successful, i.e. go and look at this place or go and search this. Here's a really good template for that. Check out this document. This will give you a frame of reference. I'm giving them the opportunities to learn uh, so that the the floundering doesn't happen. The, the challenge, it's now within that scope. And sometimes I have to give people, and I, a lot of times I'm able to give my staff a task and they're just able to run. And the the best ones that I have in in house in terms of uh, intelligence is the ability to take on a new problem set and say, I will figure it out. I will figure it out. And I will figure it out quickly. Those two things are very, very impressive to see. We have several Doberman staff, if not all of my staff um, in senior leadership are like that. I'm able to give them a problem and uh, and or a task and i will expect them to come back with an answer or at least a suggested answer they also have going back to that risk taker part they also uh, recognize that failure is not um uh failure only comes from not trying when my staff puts something together even if it's not what i want uh or if i haven't articulated that well enough and and we're trying to figure this thing out together uh, we're able to come in and say, okay, we have a high tolerance for failure. Let's try to do something. Something is better than nothing. And what is our output? And through that collaborative uh, atmosphere and through uh, uh, hopefully me as my, myself as a manager, uh, going to them and say, hey, just try. If you fail, we can work on it together. And if you succeed, we'll talk about why that was successful. And instead of being on the opposite side of the table, it feels much more like we're on the same side of the table and we're just trying to help each other out. But it ultimately is my job to help them improve. And um, by helping them improve, the company improves. So it, intelligence is so important. The next part of that evaluation process is a high personal moral code. Never, never, never allow yourself to slip. 
that is uh that is like the death nail seriously it's um it's the it's the final nail in the coffin it's the it's now the doors open to be fired to be sued to be all these things um never allow your high moral code to to slip and to and choose to have a high moral code and when we talk about a moral code again taking this from directly from um, the new hire package, just so we're all on the same page. Moral code is self-respect, digni- dignity, integrity, honor, kindness, patience, being considerate, being a team player. Again, that team player thing. So having a high moral code uh, allows you to uh, lay your head down at night and not feel ashamed. You can You can royally mess up in your job. You can make the wrong call. You can fail miserably, but as long as you have a high moral code, you do things for the right reason and for the and within the right timing, then you can say, okay, I am, uh, I'm living in a place where I can have personal dignity. I've been kind to others. I've, I've retained my own honor and, uh, those things matter and those things matter to me in, um, in Doberman. So the, the last part of here um, is ambition. And ambition, the way we have uh, articulated that is innovation, self-starter, driven and motivated, the ability to act. I need ambitious people. And our field needs ambitious people. Now, the problem is people confuse intelligence and ambition. If your ambition is higher than your intelligence, you are most likely doing something illegal, right? If you're stupid and you're ambitious, then you're going to do something stupid, right? And I'm talking about, again, that situational awareness. And it has been very rare, but we've alluded to it a couple times. There was a an incident about a year ago uh, where we identified somebody who had a ton of ambition and very, very low intelligence. And uh, uh, their moral code had, had was uh, essentially corrupt because they had justified their actions over and over again. And uh, we ended up firing them. And it was uh, brutal, and it has been brutal for our company to, to think about. And, and yet, where, wherever I've gone, in those very rare circumstances where the individual allowed themselves to become more ambitious than their intelligence and their moral code or they let their moral code slip then and something negative always happens it always does it always catches up to those people the hollywood perspective that you know bad guys get ahead that's not really true um i've seen that in business i've seen that in uh, government i've seen that across the board good people do get a do good uh do good and they get ahead because other people want to work with them and uh ultimately that's what you want for yourself you don't want to be ashamed or to be fired right so uh intelligence ambition and high moral code when when you look at those three things you will become the absolute best you'll improve your intelligence you'll become ambitious enough where you're able to read the atmosphere using your ambition and your moral code to be driven and to take risks and to hopefully be on a team that's willing to take risks and to work with other people and to identify new talents and to grow those talents 
and to put in the effort required to be successful. So again, the secret formula to becoming the best or to having success is having intelligence, high personal moral code, and ambition. If you're doing those three things, wherever you're at in your career, then you will be successful. Gain the knowledge where you should gain the knowledge. Identify and focus on your tasks, uh, talents, being a team player, taking risks. Those, th- those four things combined with the formula of success will help you achieve greatness in the field. I have seen that in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of so many others. I mentioned Ashley Loyer-Golden before in this podcast. I, I talked about Zach Borscht on this podcast. I talked about um, Patrick McGinn on this podcast. I've talked about Chief Walt Lewis. In fact, assistant and uh, now assistant Chief Walt Lewis out of Orlando Fire. Uh, Colonel uh, Chris McKinney, Colonel Stephen Johnson, uh, you know, countless others that I found on the show, Pete Gaynor. All these people have had the secret, secret formula for success combined with the, the four attributes that allow them to be successful and look what they've done in their career. And so that's the advice I'd give for you. This is how you prepare for the good in your own career. Again, my focus is the emergency manager. So for National Preparedness Month, I want to help the managers, emergency managers in the field prepare for the good. Good things will happen. Storms will rage. There will be violent protests. There will be things that will happen in the field that will require you to act. But if you do all these things, it will be okay. And you will advance. You'll have a great team around you. And you'll be able to uh, save and sustain life. And with that, uh, we will have another great month of great guests. We have new sponsors. You've probably heard the Sawyer ad by now. We have... um, we have really great things happening. So make sure you check out, uh, keep checking out the Disaster Tough podcast. If you need help in your preparation, make sure you check out Doberman Emergency Management because we're all emergency managers and uh, we want to help each other out, do good in the field. If you are feeling like you're an island, you, you can't figure out who your team is and you, and you need to get things done, call us. Call Doberman Emergency Management. We'll help you out. We can be your great team players. We can help you out. So make sure you check us out and uh, follow Disaster Tough Podcast on all social media. Give us a five-star rating and subscribe. If you have figured out something that will help you in the field, that can help out the other people in the field, make sure you leave a comment saying, hey, this is what's helped me be successful in my job. And uh, we'll leave it up to the, the comments to take it from there. And we'll see you for next one.